kind of had a little bit of natural talent. Um, was it natural talent? I don't know. But I, I could play a bit, you know. And um, and then it was like, no, I, I, this is something I really want to want to pursue. And I think it's my my personality. I just I just want to be the best that I can be. I think in whatever you know, if I was driving taxis, I want to be the best taxi driver. It's just that I think that military mindset, isn't it? You know, you want to be good at something. This episode contains adult language and adult humor. Since when have trumpet players ever been considered adults? If you are easily offended by these types of conversations, consider switching to the oboe. Welcome to the Trumpet Guru Sang Podcast. I'm your host, Jose Johnson. My guest for this episode is Mark Upton. Mark, well, he's trumpet royalty. The son of two professional trumpet players, Mark was destined to become a world-class player. As the principal trumpeter for the Royal Marines Band, Mark regularly performed for the Royal Family, and his powerful playing has been featured in performances at the Royal Albert Hall. And as the trumpet tutor at the Royal Marine School of Music, Mark is paving the way for a new generation of amazing royal musicians. So, pour yourself a big glass, pull up a chair, and let the hang begin! And welcome to another exciting uh, episode of the Trumpet Gurus Hang. And I am joined uh, by uh, by a new friend. Let's put it that way, Mr. Mark Upton. Mark, welcome to the show. How are you, my friend? I'm great, thank you. And thanks thanks for inviting me on. It's it's an absolute pleasure. Oh man, it is my pleasure. You know, I've been following your stuff uh, on social media, and uh, you know, was was really like wow how can i get a hold of this guy and then uh i had a couple people that that commented about you and saying that i should i should get you on um von nark had mentioned you and larry marigliano mentioned you and so I'm like, okay i i gotta make this happen so um yeah i'm just happy happy to have you on here um how's how's the business going in the uk these days it's good i mean it's you know the the music seems coming back, uh, seems to be lots of gigs, but obviously I'm in the Marines as well, in the Royal Marines Band. Um, so, you know, a lot of my time is is spent with the, with the Royal Marines, um, but I'm not actually in one of the bands anymore. So I, I work at the Royal Marines School of Music, which is the sort of training school uh, for getting musicians through sort of two years of training and teaching them how to march, how... The military life and, and how to play the trumpet so um yeah that, that that takes up a lot of my time uh which is great yeah yeah so um yeah I, i've uh been fortunate enough to, to interview a, a few guys uh from the the london freelance scene uh, yeah. like tom walsh and and uh, louis dalswell um and uh you know so i've gotten kind of a feel for what the the working life is for the freelance musician but you know, being being in a military band, like you're saying, that's a little bit of a different, a little bit of a different gig going on. I'm sure. Yeah, it, it, it's really different being being a military musician. Um, you know, obviously you've got the initial training, uh, which is sort of two years, two to three years, and uh, you know we get we get sort of trainees joining up at 16. We get them joining up in their late 20s, um, and it's it's really different you know it's it's um it's a different kind of uh way of way of doing business i think and you know we're 
you get sent to different bands, uh, you get sent all over the world. Um, you know, we've, we've got the operational capability, you know, going to, going to various conflicts, um, you know, the military role um, and the sort of first aid role. So there's, you know, there's so much um, sort of um, stuff that we do really, you know, and it's completely different uh, from being a kind of civilian musician. Um, but, you know, I've, I'm just about to enter my sort of 26th year in the Marines. So, um, you know, it's, it's been very good to me. Um, I've had, you know, lots of lots of platforms for, for solos, you know, at the Albert Hall and all over the world, really. So it's the military, they, they've given me a really good kind of grounding, you know, and, and it's, it's great to have that opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know like here in the States, uh, I'm, I'm not too far from Washington, D.C. And uh, we have a lot of the, you know, the military bands, like the premier bands are based uh, in D.C. Um, and, you know, each each of the, the the arms have their own, like, you know, the Army bands, the Air Force band. Uh, but um, I've spent some time with the president's own. Oh, OK. Uh, yeah, we were over there uh, doing some. Um, uh, gigs in Washington, and um, yeah, the president so invited us there for the day, and we spent a day with them, looking around the band room, seeing how they do their business, and and it, yeah, it was such an amazing day. Yeah, yes, really good players as well. They're, they're, they're amazing. Yeah, and and it's I, I always find it fascinating because I, I, two of two of my teachers uh, are former military uh, players, and you know I would hear stories from them about you know, that life uh, and the, you know, the advantages and disadvantages of, of you know, like anything, you know, uh, but, but how they loved it because they both were, were lifers, you know, they were, they stayed in until they, you know, were, were at the point where they had to retire. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, the, there's a tendency in, in uh, like, if you're a jazz player to kind of specialize and focus on being like in a band like the Airmen or the, uh, you know, the Army Blues or one of those <clears throat> that's basically fundamentally a big band that and that's that's 90 plus percent of your your playing is in that that venue uh with, with uh with the marine band the royal band uh that you're with uh, is it a lot more diverse or are you a little more specialized it's so diverse i mean it's you know we could be uh predominantly wind band and marching band uh we do a lot of sort of contemporary wind band music as well we have a lot of um, people in the Marines that write a lot of music as well for the annual Mountbatten Festival of Music. Um, and, you know, we do the full orchestra, we do small orchestras, brass quintet, jazz gigs, big bands, rock bands. Uh, you, you kind of name it, really. We, we kind of do a bit of everything. Um, and, we, you know, we've got some, a lot of great musicians that, you know, you can pull out and put into those those situations, and it, it sounds great. You know, yeah. I don't know whether you saw um, the uh, Jubilee celebrations uh, last week or the week before. I did not catch any of those. No. no so the uh, our core of drums were front and center of the stage uh, with Queen playing "We Will Rock You." Oh, okay. It was amazing, amazing. Yeah. Well, that's that is diverse, you know, and. Um, you know, we could be we could be doing music one week. Next week, we could be doing first aid courses, military um, sort of engagements. 
um, deployments, you know, it is so diverse. And I think the thing that I really liked is no week was really the same. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you it kind of just changes each week and get put on things, taken off things, sent somewhere. And that, that's kind of the military life, isn't it? You know, it was, I've spent sort of um, five months on board a ship, you know, sailing um, over to America. We did the, the east coast of America um, and, and did some exercises there. And uh, we spent, you know, quite, quite a few weeks in New York, um, Florida, uh, Norfolk uh, with a naval base there. Um, so, yeah, it's, it, it is so diverse. You know, yeah. Well, that, that keeps you on your toes, I guess. So, yeah, it really does. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, in your your position as as uh, one of the the faculty there, I guess if you will, um, yeah, you're you're saying that you have to do so many different types of training uh, to prepare prepare the the new recruits. Um, so, in terms of of the music stuff, are are you like a teaching like general music and preparation or are you teaching like specific trumpet uh, geared things or? Yeah, so, so at the school uh, we have uh, professors and they're, all they do is, is teach music. Um, and and I'm, I'm an instructor, so we support the, the trainees, the students um, through um, day one, you know, kind of show them how to iron their clothes and, and do sort of the daily military things, inspections. Um, you know, there, there's so many, so much uh, kind of involved with it. Um, but yeah, we, I, I do teach, I do teach some trumpet as well in support of what the professor's doing. And um, I also teach all the jazz uh, at the school. I take the big band at the school. Um, and, and yeah, it's, there's so many different combinations that we do. So we, you know, we have brass quintets, we have to do fanfare team rehearsals, you know, there's the, the wind bands, the orchestra, it's, um, it's, a for the trainees, it's, the, it's a really busy week, you know, everything's compacted in as well as the practice and all these, uh, rig ups and, and, um, rehearsals that, you know, they've got all the academic stuff to do as well. You know harmony history elements oral you know so it's 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 a it's a kind of high intensity uh course i would say you know yeah. and, and the, you know there's some really great benefits as well you know they, the trainees can study for a degree there um so they can get that for rather than going to music college and and kind of racking up those debt you know you can come come to the school and um, in the Marines, you can you can study for that degree, which is which is great. Um, yes, yeah, so you know, there's loads of great things happening. I think that the hardest thing is um, is you know getting people through the door recruitment um, because you know we are still part of the Royal Marines, um, so you know that that can be that can be challenging. Um, but you know since since COVID, it's it's all been pretty good. We had you know, good numbers and stuff. So it's, yeah, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. Uh, so with your, your work there, obviously that keeps you pretty busy, uh, with between the teaching and performing or, and, you know, anything you have to do, uh, do you, do you do, uh, any freelance gigs or, you know, uh, solo gigs outside of, of the Marine band? Yeah, Yeah, I do. I do. 
I'm quite busy, you know, I do a lot of deck work uh, with Sid Lawrence. I played lead trumpet for Cuda Music, the Bond tour uh, with Warren Ringham, uh, which is sadly coming to an end, end of this year. I think we've got uh, maybe five, five maybe shows left. Um, and yeah, just all sorts of different shows um, and, and, and gigs really, yeah, as, as they come in. And, you know, that's work's really starting to pick up, which is, which is great. Uh, I also do quite a lot of teaching um, when I can sort of fit it in around, you know, work and gigs. So yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy busy, you know. Yeah, well, you know, it's definitely one of those things where when you don't have the work, you miss it. And then when you have it, it just seems like, you know. Yeah, I think, you know, I think the kind of the COVID, you know, I think it made all musicians kind of reflect and, and, you know, coming out of COVID and gigs start coming in, you really kind of start to appreciate, appreciate all the work and you start to really enjoy it. You know, um, I, I think I'm enjoying playing at the moment probably more than I ever have done, probably because I had the two years, two, three years of not, not doing anything, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah, it certainly, it has given a lot of people a fresh perspective on, on how lucky we really are. Uh, as as performers, you know, and and educators, you know, when, there's when you're used to being in front of people and interacting with people face to face, and then you can't do that. It it really can take a toll on you. So uh, I'm just yeah. happy that things are kind of mellowing out, at least for the time being. I'm keeping my fingers crossed, you know. So, um, so but, I think it was, about, it was about I think two two months before we went into lockdown. I was I was online. You know, just looking at stuff on Facebook and the, the internet as you do, and I was looking at all this tr different trumpet stuff, and um, I came across um, Padovani mouthpieces, and um, and uh, Louis, do you know Louis Martello? I do not. No, he, he's a trumpet player in the UK. He um, put me in touch with the, the two guys, Marcus and Mathias, in Brazil, and. Um, Basically, to cut a long story short, I had a kind of great lockdown project for producing mouthpieces with them. Um, so, you know, we spent two years over lockdown developing these mouthpieces, which was just such a nice project to be able to do because we weren't playing. Um, and, uh, yeah, they got released, I think, April, middle of April, they were released in the UK and around the world. So we, we've uh, created a, a lead, a studio, a classical and flugelhorn, um, and yeah, it's, it's going really well. You know, it's um, they're, they're selling really well. We're looking at the moment of, of developing some other mouthpieces, uh, maybe because the brass band uh, world really big in the UK. Um, so we're looking at uh, focusing on some cornet mouthpieces um, over the next couple of months. So yeah, there's kind of loads loads going on there. Yeah, well, I mean that. That is taking advantage of the situation. You know, I know a lot of guys that uh, during during the lockdown period were doing projects like that, whether it's developing uh, uh, new mouthpieces, new horns, uh, other uh, you know kind of gear or, or, or tools, or you know even just working on on different kind of projects, uh, writing books, doing yeah. video series. Uh, so it's, you know, finding a finding a new creative outlet for yourself. As Absolutely, opposed to, yeah. you know, what we're, what we're used to. And then, of course, some people just got depressed and didn't do anything. So, uh, yeah. 
but I mean, I'm sure that as as a Marine, uh, that uh, you know, you, you do have that uh, adapt to survive kind of mentality. So, yeah, you know. Yeah, and that, yeah. Uh, it's interesting. I, I saw you had a Larry Larry Marigliano on here. Obviously, Larry's a a great friend of mine who oh, must have been. So uh, let me think. 2000, I think it was about 2011 or 2012. And it's funny because I was doing the same job that I'm doing now. So I was working at the School of Music um, and I got put there because I had a hernia operation uh, or I had a hernia. Um, and I went to see the consultant and they misdiagnosed it. So I was sent through kind of our health system going through loads of different departments. And it was, it was taking like a year and a half and the doctor said, just don't, don't play, don't play the trumpet. So I didn't play for like a year, a year and a half. Um, anyway, it finally got sorted out. They sent me to the school while this was ongoing. Um, I guess they give me some, some work. And um, I got in touch with Larry. I uh, saw some of his videos online um, about all the isometric stuff. And um, we got talking. And then at the time, Larry was working on the cruise ships. And uh, he said, hey, I'm in Southampton in a couple of weeks. I said, well, this is great. Why don't I come down and, and meet you? And I'll bring you down to the school. And, you know, maybe you can do a, a, a masterclass there. And we'll go out for lunch afterwards. And he did. So I went and met him for the first time. or took him to the school. Great masterclass. We chatted loads. And from there, we became kind of really good friends. And every time Larry came over to the UK, I'd always go and see him. We'd go and hang out and stuff and it, it, was, it was really great you know and um and then obviously he's he's uh came on board with eclipse trumpets uh on one of his trips over here and and then he invented the cts which um you know kind of really helped in in lockdown just to kind of kind of keep the chops keep the chops in uh keep the chops active and i think that was that was that was a a great tool that he's he's developed. CTS. Yeah. So, have you tried it? Have you got one? Oh, I have one. Yeah. 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 yeah I've, I've I've known Larry for a few years as well, and and uh, uh, you know was doing some of his uh, exercises, the pre CTS exercises, and they they were very helpful. And then uh, when he came out with that, I'm like, ah, okay, let's give it a shot. And uh, yeah. So, so. Yeah. So at the time, I was I'd moved house just before. COVID and uh, we were in a kind of three bedroom cottage, semi-detached. So I, I couldn't really play loads in lockdown. And all of a sudden I had a, had a phone call saying we're doing some lockdown sessions or a recording session. Um, can you do it? And I was like, yeah, when is it? They said like a week. And at this point, I, you know, I hadn't blown probably for a couple of months. And, um, and, um, Larry, Larry was developing a CTS at the time, and he had just sent me one to, to, to try out. And um, five days on this CTS, and it, it brought my chops back. I mean, I was doing, you know, um, I was doing a fair bit of blowing with a, with a cup muting, but it's, it's not the same. And I think I really felt that because, you know, when you're playing all the time and doing gigs, you know, you've got that maintenance on you, you're keeping everything going, but then just to stop and have a gig come in, and I think that taught me something about myself, you know, that I can, you know, I've worked out that for me, I don't know what it's like for anybody else, but, you know, I need 
I need five days of, of good practice with a CTS and I, I can get, you know, to the top of my uh, game with my chops, you know, which is, which is, you know, I've never even thought about it before because not blowing wasn't, a, wasn't really an option, you know? Right. Right. Um, um, it, it's, you know, the, things like that. I mean, it, there are always people that are, that are going to be there. There are people that are going to be supporters or people going to be detractors. And then the, you know, the rest of the people tend to be on the fence uh, about it. And, and until they try it, they're really not going to have an opinion one way or the other. But, um, you know, for me, the thing that, that I do love about it is that it's, it's it, Larry has not positioned this as being a way of uh, helping you to be a better trumpet player in terms of your, your, your technical ability. Sure. It, it, it's, you know, keep your, keep the muscles, keep the physical aspects, the mechanical aspects of, of what it takes to play the horn in place. So that then when you go to practice, then you don't have to worry about doing the maintenance to keep, you know, the embouchure muscles firm and, and the compression correct, you know, so it just, it takes one of those things out of the equation. So you can actually yeah. spend more time working on your music. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I think I, I spoke to him a couple of weeks ago. Was, you know, he's just come back from um, was ITG a couple of weeks ago. Mm -hmm. You know, he, he got down there and, you know, sales are going great for him, you know. And I, I think, you know, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't create the machine. He invented the system. And the system really does work. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cheers to you, Larry, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can send us our, our commission checks later. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, and, and speaking of, of, of great trumpet players, uh, besides yourself and, and Larry, uh, you had the opportunity of studying with, with one of the all-time grades, uh, there in uh, in London. Uh, so, uh, can you tell us about your your experiences uh, with Mr. Watson or Watkins? Sure. Uh, yeah. So um, it was it, it was really funny how it kind of came about because obviously Derek was um, uh, endorsed with Smith Smith Watkins with Richard, and um, we just bought a first set of fourteen fan, Smith Watkins fanfare trumpets and. My God, the, the old fanfare trumpets that we used to have in, in the Marines, they were they were so old, so difficult to play, so out of tune, you know, it was, it was really difficult. And uh, so we just bought these brand new set of, of fanfare trumpets. And um, and I thought, you know, I really, want some, I really need to get some lessons, you know. And um, I think I tried Tony Fisher. Tony Fisher said he wasn't doing any teaching. Um, so I called Derek. And um, we just started chatting and I introduced myself and I said, look, I'd really, really like to have some lessons with you. And he says, oh, I, I, don't, I don't teach. And uh, I said, I said, Derek, I said, look, I'm in the Marines. We've just bought 14 Smith, Smith Watkins fanfare trumpets. I said, come on, the least you can do is give me one lesson. And it, it, Derek's laugh was very distinctive, you know, and he just started laughing. And, um, and he said, all right, okay, he said, um, when, 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 when can you do it? Because at the time I was living down in the West Country, so it was like a four or five hour drive. And, um, and I gave him some dates and he, he said, okay, can you come to my house and, and we'll have a, have a few hours. Um, 
I remember my first lesson, I was driving, I was just so excited, you know, get to this lesson. And, um, and yeah, from there, you know, we kept having, having lessons, sort of uh, regular lessons, and um, it, it, it was amazing. I mean, some lessons, we just wouldn't do any playing at all. It was just like talking and advice. And, and the really nice thing was, it was so nice having Derek, uh, you know, ultimately in the end, a friend. And, um, you know, he never minded me calling for advice or anything like that. To have someone of that caliber, you know, on the end of the phone and, and, and teaching you, it's, 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 it's incredible, you know. Yeah. I, I, I was really lucky, he really helped my play. And, you know, there's a, I've got a few funny stories, but uh, one of them, um, at the time, I was I was asked to play MacArthur Park, the, the James Last MacArthur Park, I think it was 2009. And um, I mentioned this to, to Derek, and he said, oh, you, you come, come up and we'll, we'll work on it. And uh, I said to him, I said, we, we got to the lesson, and I said, okay, I said, um, I said the first bit, the flute long bit, I said, that's fine. I just want to work on the high stuff, you know. And um, Derek was like, I'll be the judge of that. You, you, let's play the let's play the flugelhorn bit. And it absolutely ripped it up. Absolutely. You know, and um, you know, we spent a lot of work um on sort of phrasing and understanding phrasing and uh, and it was just yeah, it was just in, incredible. It was just such a, a, a great opportunity, you know. I, I, I learned a lot and um and yeah, we became friends, and yeah, the rest is this kind of history. It was, it was just, you know, such a shame that he got taken away, you know, so early. Um, but uh, and uh, another thing, I remember my first, um, my first, well, I think it was my tenth birthday, something like that. My parents bought me a um, hi-fi system, and um, it was had a. Uh, turntable, it had a, a CD player and, and tapes, and they bought me my first uh, CD, and it was it was James Last, um, and I'd had this CD, and I used to listen to this track, Love Changes Everything, um, and I didn't realise it was Derek until he started teaching me, and I went back and looked at this this album, I was like, oh my god, that I've been listening to this guy for for so many years and didn't didn't even realise, you know. Um, but it is is some some great albums. I think the the Clark Terry um, After Dark, the the that session that was just amazing. I think Clark Terry wanted him uh, to come out and play lead for it, so he flew out and played lead played lead for that album, and it's just it's just incredible. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah I think Derek is one of those. Uh, yeah, definitely. If you are a trumpet aficionado and particularly a, a lead trumpet um kind of you know geek that you you definitely know who Derek is but a lot of people like you say have they've heard him but they had no idea who he was yeah. and you know um his sound to me was just so amazing I mean and this is just recording because you know never having having a chance to to uh, see him play in person I mean, it had to be kind of interesting to be sitting next to that guy and and being able to to hear him play uh, and and just to to soak that sound in. And um, you know, your your sound is very reminiscent 
of of his sound that 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 fullness the the, the just the the i guess the like we used to use the, the the term wall of sound so you know just this this very big solid sound not not shrill not not thin in the upper register but just just like this pure blast of sound with yeah. so much core uh so i mean was that kind of uh did you already have that that approach to your sound prior to working with derek or did derek uh kind of help you to to bring that together derek really helped me develop develop, develop all that side of things i mean like my, you know i think my sound my, my i always had quite a, a nice sound and a, a big full sound um so if, if i go back to the beginning my my parents are both trumpet players I don't know whether you knew that. I so my, my dad was in the, in the, if I digress, remind me about that question, because I probably will. Um, but, but yeah, my dad was in the Royal Marines Band. He spent 26 years, um, 13 of those years, he was on the Royal Yacht with the, with the Royal Family. Um, so, he, you know, he had a really kind of charmed career there. He played, you know, all the uh, Royal Honey uh, weddings, and, and then he went away on the yacht. For their, on their honeymoons and so you know it's just just such a such a great career uh, my mother studied at the royal academy in london trumpet um and you know she, she was a, a great classical player and so i had them sort of bringing me up and teaching me i mean they always they always sent me off for lessons with, with different people um but at the early stages it, it was them teaching me and you know, I used to, I used to, I used to hate it at the time. You know, parents were making you practice, and like I wanted to be out, out with my friends, and I'd hear the doorbell go, and it'd be, oh, it's Mark coming out to play, and my mum's like, no, he's doing his trumpet practice, and I'm like, oh wow, you know, this is, this is the worst thing ever, and um, I totally appreciate everything they've done now. You know, they, they know that I've told them that, um, but um, so. You know, I'd do my practice and my mum would then come in and she'd be like, okay, let's, let's do some scales, let's do some transposition, let's do some sight reading. And I'd go and put my trumpet away and my dad would come in and go, right, let's do some duets, let's let's go through your pieces, you know. So, you know, I, I would say I was forced to do it, you know. I mean, I probably could have stopped. I, I wanted to play, I always wanted to play. Um, but the, when my dad was in the Marines, I remember we moved house. My dad got a posting to, to deal and um, my mum and dad bought a house and we, while we were waiting for this house to be built, we moved into, into Deal Barracks for a while. Uh, I think it was six months, something like that. And um, it was my dad worked with the band literally just across the, it was like 50 metres away, probably less than that. Now, I remember it's the summer holidays, my dad's working, I'm just messing about, I'm on school holidays, and he rings my mum at the house and says, get Mark to come over to the band room. And um, I went over to the band room, walked in, and there was the whole of um, the, the band there, you know, big band, 70, 80 piece band. And I walked in and they were waiting for me and they, they just played souls, you know, I'm like four or five years old. And from that moment on, I knew that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be, I wanted to be in Marines. Um, you know, I wanted to travel. I saw all the opportunities that my dad had with travel and, and stuff like that. So 
I started playing the trumpet when I was about six. Um, I think I started getting proper sort of lessons at the age of age of seven at the Northbourne Park where I was where I was at boarding school, and um, and yeah, from there it just evolved, 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 and, and then I joined up in, in sort of nineteen ninety seven. I can't remember what the initial question was now. Uh, it was about uh, Derek and and his impact on your sound. Oh yeah, so. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, you know, I always, you know, even going through training, you know, I always had fairly good, fairly good range, um, fairly, fairly good sound. And then I went uh, for lessons with Derek and, you know, he had me doing lots of different exercises, range exercises, opening up the, the aperture um, and, you know, really kind of filling that, that sound up. And that, I think there is an element to the technical side, but I think, the biggest thing for me is um, is having that sound concept in your head before you play. You know, you, you listen to enough enough lead trumpet players. You know, I used to love Maynard Ferguson, Arturo Sandoval, Anderson. You know, you, you listen to those players. You listen to something enough, and you you kind of adapt to it, don't you? You you, you play how what you what you hear, you know, and want to create. And um, you know. Uh, being in the Marines, I've always had to, I've always had to kind of play different situations, different gigs, you know, daily, weekly. You know, I've never had the opportunity to say, right, you know, for the next six months, I'm just going to play big band music or I'm going to do lead trumpet because, you know, in the Marines, the, the, the opportunities are far and kind of few between for that, that kind of work. But I say it's the more sort of commercial lead playing. Um, so Derek really kind of helped me kind of push that. Um, and then, you know, I started doing the, the solos at the Albert Hall. I did the MacArthur Park sort of the first year. And then, and then you know, that, that was um, arranged or rewritten by a good friend of mine, Trevor Norton. Um, and, and you play something like that, and then the next year they go, oh, Mark Upton, he can play really high notes and he can do this. And... And then the next guy comes in and he writes and he'll be writing, you know, up to double G's, you know, and then the following year it's like double A's and then the follow, you know, and it I think I think for me, my 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 journey, it's I, that's helped me because I've kind of had to had to do it and adapt. And you know, they're they're pretty high pressure gigs. You know, I don't know whether you heard the um Oh, what was it? The trumpet legacy that I did in two thousand and nineteen. So I remember I, I was, I was, I think I was somewhere teaching at a school, and I just finished. And my my colonel rang me and he said, um, "We're just looking at programs for MFM next year. Um, we'd like you to do a Maynard Ferguson tribute." I was like, "Okay, this sounds really cool." Um, how long? How long? And he said, "Well, eight, eight to ten minutes." I was like, "Okay, that sounds great." And I got the more I thought about it, I thought, 
you know what, uh, you know, it'd be great for me and I would love to play a main night folks and tribute for, for 10 minutes, but looking at our audience that we get at the Albert Hall, I mean, you know, we, we pack the Albert Hall, you know, three nights, three nights in a row. And um, I just thought, you know, I don't think our audience would get it. I think, you know, you might have 10% of that audience who maybe pro Maynard Ferguson and, and would understand it. But I think, I don't think it was the right thing to, to play. So, so I, I spoke to him and he said, well, what do you want to do? I said, well, how about, you know, we do a, a tribute to, you know, some of the greatest jazz trumpet players in history. And, and he really liked the idea. And I went away and thought about which pieces I would do. And obviously, you have to start with Louis Armstrong, um, Miles Davis, Harry James. It was really hard to pick. Originally, I mean, the first time I went into the meeting, I, you know, I put all this, these ideas forth, and it was it was it was going to be like twenty five, you know, twenty five minutes. You know, right. I put Terry in there, loads. You know, they were like, well, you know, we need to cut it by at least half. So I think they gave ended up giving me sort of twelve minutes. Um, and another good friend of mine, Nick West, he arranged it all, um, put it put it all together. Um, really lucky. Do you know Peter Moss? Uh, no, I do not. Peter Moss, uh, he's a trumpet player in um, Florida, I think. Yeah, Florida. And um, he's a real uh, Harry James aficionado. He was good friends with Harry James. He knew him very well. Um, and um, he sent me some of the, some of the music. Um, so, you know, we had a lot of support from there. Um, through Larry Marigalano, uh, Arturo Sandoval introduced the the piece at the beginning, which was which was really nice, and um, and then I had the idea that uh, towards the end there was a, I wanted to do a night in Tunisia, and um, we kind of finished the piece with the Star Trek. And I thought it would just be a great idea for Arturo to come back on the VT. Um, and say, hang on a minute, hang on, you know, you, you've forgotten, you know, Dizzy, Dizzy Gillespie. And um, Arturo started playing uh, Night in Tunisia. Um, and then on the, on the second phrase, the, the mass bands came in and accompanied him. It was all tracked, you know. And, uh, and then I came in, took the B section and, and took it to the end. And it was, it was such a fun, it was such a fun thing to do, you know, and... and you know, I even um, found an old piano and we put a keyboard in an old piano so it looked great on stage for the Louis Armstrong Armstrong section. Uh, you know, and I kind of did the whole the whole thing, the concept, you know, getting the uh, Nick West to put the music together. Um, and, and yeah, it came off really well. And, and I think that recording, um, you know, got so many YouTube hits and, 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 and I think that that one and maybe a couple of others that I did a few years before kind of really took a lot of people started taking interest in in my playing and playing career and and you know, but it stems back from from the Royal Marines, you know, giving me those opportunities to do to do that, you know, because you know, there are some absolutely amazing trumpet players all, all around the world, you know, but you know, to have a solo spot at the Albert Hall nearly every year. You know, it's, uh, it's a big venue and it's a lot of pressure, you know, that 6,000 whatever people a night, you know, it was getting live streamed to hundreds of thousands, if not millions, you know, it's, um, it's a lot of pressure. Um, 
Yeah, and those are uh, those are very exposed parts as well. You know, when when you're yeah. you know, when you, when you're trying to cover everything from pops to you know to Dizzy to to Maynard, you know that's there's there's a lot of stuff that that's got to be done. And uh, man, I, oh, I, and I think for me, you know, having Having done years of transcribing and the Armstrong solos and transcribing Miles Davis, and, you know, all those, that's just what we do as jazz trumpet players, you know. Um, and being able to take that hat off and instantly put another hat on and, and play another style, that it was, it was quite, it was quite tough. I, I remember I, I looked back at the recording and the Miles Davis section, I didn't quite settle into it until like the third or fourth phrase. And yeah, I, can, I can hear it. I don't know whether was, I'm sure other people can, but you know, I think I don't know whether it was whether it was nerves or, or whatever, you know, but um, I was never happy with the beginning of going into the Miles Davis section. I, I don't know why. Um, but um the, the, the Louis was quite easy because that was the one to start with. And I guess the, the Star Trek one, that's just the kind of playing hope for the best. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. But, you know, it's like I remember when uh, when Arturo released his uh, uh, Trumpet Evolution uh, album that, you know, that that was, to me, so masterful to... Uh, it, you know, you, you listen to it and you still knew it was Arturo, you know, but uh, yeah, his playing, uh, paying tribute to the lineage that we have as, as trumpet players, especially in the, in the jazz genre, but to, to hear him pull off uh, so much of the stuff and, and you know, uh, of course he threw in some Rafael Mendez, you know, he had, he had to, to throw in a little bit of the technical side there too, but, you know, to be able to go from, from style to style blew me away because you know just just being able to do that but to do that live that takes it up a complete different notch because you don't you don't have the 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 advantage of going okay well today i put on my miles hat and then tomorrow i'm going to put on my maynard hat you know you've got to be able to just you know bang 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 and each of those guys had such unique not only unique sounds and approaches to the horn but i think it's driven by the personality um and so you like you had like you know if we use Maynard as as example Maynard was very very he was larger than life you know everything about him on stage and everything was just this huge personality and Miles Miles was yeah he had he was definitely a personality but his was more about being like restricted or drawn in and you know a a, a very uh in, almost inward facing kind of kind of thing. And, uh, you know, you, you, you can't, it's like you, you have to shift that mental gear to go between those two because you can't, you can't approach Maynard's music with Miles's mindset. You can't approach Miles's music with Maynard's mindset. So, uh, you know, kudos to you for, for even just, you know, trying to, to take that step to do that live. But yeah. not only to do that, but to, to pull it off. And I know you said you weren't happy with the Miles things, but that maybe that's actually a sign that you actually were channeling Miles because Miles was never happy with anything anyway, so. <laughs> maybe, yeah. Um, you know, and I, you know, I think as well that, you know, going back to the style thing, you know, I, I would I would get up in the morning, I'd go into work and I'd say, right, we're doing brass quintet now, and then we're doing orchestra, and now we're doing big band. 
you know, so I think that there is an element to, you know, kind of being that military musician, having to adapt to different situations. So, you know, maybe that, maybe that, maybe that helps, um, you know, as well as transcribing, you know, as we spoke about, but I think, you know, I think, um, I think transcribing for, for any trumpet player is a must because, you know, we, we've all done it. You, you, you know, you start teaching someone and they've got the, the generic kind of trumpet sound, which is, which is nice, you know, um, but I think to find your own voice as a trumpet player, you know, you have to be able to emulate all these different voices and pull and push away the ones that you like and dislike to, to create your own sound. And those sounds put together will create the ones that you like will create the voice that you like, you know, and I think that's really important as, as a musician to, to find your own voice. Yeah. Yeah. I, and there's, I think there's, there's so many aspects to that. I mean, there, there's one, there's the, the sound of the instrument. So that that's part of your voice, but then it's the, you know, your, the phrasing, the, the concepts, the, um, you know, just the way, the way you approach music, your ideas. Uh, so that, that all comes together, uh, to create that voice. I mean, like, you know, to take miles, for example, you know, you could you could always identify Miles by his sound, whether it was open horn or or Harmon, but you could also identify him by his phrasing. Yeah, you could you could listen to something and go, oh, that that sounds like Miles, and we you know, and, and I think that that sometimes that we get confused with uh, when people talk about finding your own voice. Sometimes it's. Uh, losing track of all of those components and how that that creates the unique proposition that you have as a trumpet player yeah absolutely yeah i agree yeah yeah so like for for you you know you're talking about you know you know transcribing picking up uh you know concepts from people so who are some of the big influences that, that you've had in, in your development as a as a player um so my my first ever my first ever jazz album that I was actually given by, by someone when I was probably 11 years old um, was an Arturo album, Straight Ahead. And um, from that moment, I was like, who is this guy? You know, this, this sounds just sounds amazing. I think it was a live at Ronnie Stotts or the Ronnie Stotts label. Um, and um, from there, I, I got into Arturo Sandoval a, a lot. You know, and I think going back to that sound concept, I mean, his sound is absolutely huge, isn't it? Oh man, yeah. It's, it's, it's incredible. I, I um, obviously, I listened to a lot of Maynard. You know, I really like some of the old uh, Maynard recordings, like Danny Boy. Um, it's just, you know, when he goes from that double C down to the, the bottom G or something, it, it's just flawless, you know, live recording as well, you know. Um, Clifford Brown, Woody Shaw, um, Miles Davis, you know, I think all, all the kind of mainstream, mainstream stuff. I, I, I listened to, used to listen to a lot of Chris Botti. Um, and I, you know, I, there wasn't really anyone I, I didn't like. I, one thing that I kind of kick myself now, when I was 16, you know what it's like when you're 16, you think you know everything, you're invincible and all, all of that. And I uh, put a, put a 
few Louis Armstrong um, CDs on and she didn't like the quality. So I, I didn't listen to it, you know. I came back after a few years, you know, and started to kind of really start to appreciate it. And I was, you know, start to take it a little bit more seriously. I mean, uh, uh, when I was studying at the School of Music in 2000, 2000 uh, no, 1997 to 99, uh, we were so lucky to have Don Lusher take the big band. Uh, at the school, uh, he was the trombone professor. Um, the, the trombone professor now, the guy called Gordon Campbell, uh, who's a, a great trombone player in the, in the UK. Um, but at the time, we had uh, Don Lusher, and he was uh, fronting the Ted Heath band uh, at the time. He was an amazing, amazing player. And um, he he got us tickets for a local concert at the Guildhall um, in Portsmouth. And uh, we went along, and at the interval, Don Lusher came and got me, and he took me backstage, and he introduced me to Kenny Baker. And this was probably about two or three months before he died. Um, so I got to got to meet Kenny. Um, so you know, the, those from I think from that point on, really, um, I sort of started to take things a little bit more seriously. Um, Whereas I think before I was kind of joined the military, I, I was kind of joining for the crack, you know, I wanted a good laugh, good stable job, just play the trumpet. And, that, you know, I had, I kind of had a little bit of natural talent. Well, was it natural talent? I don't know. But I, I could play a bit, you know. And um, and then it was like, no, I, I, this is something I really want to pursue. And I think it's my, my personality. I just, I just want to be the best that I can be. I think in whatever, you know, if I was driving taxis, I want to be the best taxi driver. It's just, I think that military mindset, isn't it? You know, you want to be good at something. And um, and the trumpet for me, I think is probably one of the only things that I'm, I'm, I'm really good at. You know, I can imagine myself sat at a desk answering phone calls or, you know, doing paperwork all day. It's, it's not really me, you know. Yeah. So I think having a, a creative, uh, creative job where you can, you can do stuff, is 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 great you know i really really love it yeah well i just want to bounce back to your um just to, yeah, to your position with, with uh the royal band um when you're working with with younger students uh with these the new trainees what do you think right now is kind of the maybe the is there a common thread of things that are missing in younger players coming up so I think the biggest thing we see, I mean, from from auditions, is um, it's just the fundamental techniques of of airflow, tonguing, and flexibilities. You know, they're kind of the three the three basic things, aren't they? And um, and if you've got those things in place, it's easier to build, build, build. But you know, we I think we have to spend a lot of time focusing on. On these very basic fundamentals to get the to get the basics in, um, you know, and not everybody, you know, we we have um, people come from all walks of life. Not everyone, you know, gets gets a trumpet teacher. You know, it might be someone in a local brass band just giving them a cornet and maybe giving them a few lessons to get them going, and then they get going in maybe the junior band, and you know, they can they can start with you know, not, not a great technique, 
um, or you know people just maybe can't afford afford lessons. You know, um, I think that you know we we get a, such a diverse group of people joining. You know, totally different standards. Um, so you know, it's, it's it can be really difficult. You know, there are some there are some um, some students that you say, okay, yeah, this is this is great. They're gonna they can they're gonna be able to pass out early because they can do this stuff and we'll get them through their exams earlier, which is great. So it gets them to a band earlier, which obviously gives a pay rise and stuff like that. Um, and and some will be there longer, you know. But um, I think it's it's definitely an individual training package for each person depending on the standard they were, the knowledge that they've got, because, you know, there's all the academic stuff as well. Um, my, you know, my trumpet players need to go out having a basic knowledge of, of jazz. You know, they're, they're not going to be, you know, great jazz trumpet players, but to sit them, to be able to sit them in a corner while someone's dining or there's a cocktail party going on, and they, you know, they can get through sort of 15, 10, 15 tunes. They can, they can improvise a little bit, and get, get around it. For me, that's the, that's, that's where they'll get the bug for it, isn't it? And then where they go on from there is, is kind of up, up to them. I'm trying to give them the, 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 the bug, you know, because I think that as a trumpet player, the jazz stuff's kind of the really enjoyable stuff. Because you know you're not dictating. I must play that note at that point and that note, and it all needs to be together. There's there's a little bit of room to to be flexible, isn't there, with jazz? And you can you know play it how you feel it or you know whatever you want. Um, and it's trying to you know say to them, come up, you need to, we need to start doing these these working these changes and working these patterns and learning the, learning the some of the theory behind it and. That it can be difficult, you know, because bearing in mind, you know, we could get someone who's who's got really good knowledge of jazz. They might have played piano for a long time, or we could get someone who, um, you know, has no academic knowledge at all. Um, and you know, it's so diverse. So I, I, you know, just to it's small steps, isn't it? Small steps, you know, get people get the bug. And you know they've got the rest of their lives like I did. I, unfortunately, when I when I joined the, the Royal Marines, there was no jazz package at all. It was it was. I mean, we we kind of did. I say jazz. It was like six or eight piece dots, but everything was written out. So there was no kind of improvising improvising course. Um, and the jazz course at the Romney School of Music, something that I put together about three years ago. So it's a fairly new new syllabus, um, and it's great. You know, we're, we're getting a lot of uh, trombone sax and, and trumpet players passing out, and they're they're going out and doing jazz gigs, and it's kind of all on the Rory's band social media and video clips, and you know they're really enjoying it and and going out and doing it, and that you know for me that's really rewarding. Yeah, you know, there's, there's there's no better reward than seeing people enjoy what, what you've told them. But yeah, from a from a from a trumpet point of view, you know, there's so many aspects, and the training package, as I said before, is so intense. You know, we you know when you think we don't really do it with 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 trumpet, but you know, some instrument categories like oboe and bassoon, 
would teach someone in sort of two two years, two years, eight months to get them up to sort of grade eight, maybe even diploma standard. Um, in in that time, you know, which is double read instruments, so they're quite you know challenging. Bearing in mind, I'll have to play a, another instrument on parade because we don't have bassoons on parade. So there's normally cymbals that play cymbals on bass drum. Uh, so that's that's not actually too difficult. Um, but yeah, it's 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 good at school. You know, it's such a such a great place to work. It's you know we've really kind of I think the the actual training syllabus and training package itself taking a musician from here and taking them up to there. And, you know, there's on, that's, that's just the first part of their journey. You know, they've got the rest of their lives. You know, I thought musicians don't really come into fruition until they're kind of 40s, I'd say. Um, so, you know, they've got the rest of their lives. Yeah. Well, that's great. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a great opportunity for people. I mean, you definitely have to have the, the mentality for it. Um, you know, it's not, it's not for everyone, but being yeah. a musician is not for everyone. So, you know, there's, there's that too. All right, well, Mark, we've just, got- uh, Just touching on that, you, you know, one thing I didn't mention was before they come to our music school, they have 15 weeks of, of basic military training, you know? Yeah. But that's that's tough, you know. They're out in the field. They're getting cold. They're getting wet. It's miserable, you know. The this it, they're getting taught, you know, life skills, um, you know, all learning what life's like in the bit in the military. Basically, takes them from a civilian into a soldier. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that you know, for for any young young adult or, or you know. 16 year old for me it was you know kind of made me made me maybe a bit more confident you know it kind of it kind of makes your personality yeah makes sense you know it makes you think think smart and you know you kind of a, a step up on on life because you've had all this training you know and it teaches you not to panic in situations and, you know, it's, it's, it's great. It really is great. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, before we wrap up today, I've got three segments we got to get through. Uh, these are standard segments that I have with all of my guests. And uh, the first one uh, is actually something we've talked a lot about so far, but we're going to dive a little bit deeper in it. And this is a segment called Sound Off, and uh, it's brought to us by Barkley Microphones, my good friend Michael Barkley. Um, and it's about approach to sound, and you have talked a whole lot about that. Uh, but let's let's kind of maybe take one last stab at at, at your approach to sound, uh, particularly being uh, in the in the position you are, where you may have to go from uh, being uh, playing in a a wind ensemble to a brass quartet to a, a jazz band to a parade. Um, you know, there's so many people now. That's what we have to do. You know, if you're if you're a freelance musician, you, you need to be versatile and be able to 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 do a number of gigs. So, uh, what advice could you give to people to be able to have a sound uh, or to work on their sound so that it fits within the confines of of the specific gigs that they have to do? Sure, I, I'd say listening. Listening. That's that is the key. Having a sound concept in your head. And, 
you know, goes goes back to the goes back to the transcribing, you know, get really when you are transcribing, yes, the notes, it's nice to be able to play the notes. Um, but the whole point of transcribing is for that sound, you know, the the note shapes, creating the right note shapes. You know, are they are they attacking with the articulation? Is it a breath attack? Where does the vibrato come in? How does the note note tail off? You know, go into to, to so much detail, you know, that note is not quite on the beat, it's, it's slightly late, you know, it's going into so much detail and and having that sound concept in your head. Um, and I think that that really, really is the key. Um, you know, I wouldn't say I particularly sit here playing long notes, you know, to, I do do long notes, but, you know, I don't particularly do that for, for, for a sound point, point of view, you know, to create different sounds and different textures and, and styles. Um, and so, yeah, there's that element, the listening, transcribing, and put yourself into as many different situations as you can as a musician. I think it's always always good to be not in your comfort zone. You know, just try and push yourself as much as you can because that's how you develop and that's how you learn. And it's it's always good to be the small fish in the big pond. Yeah, yeah, that's that's where I like to be. I, I like to be that guy. But yeah. you know, I have to say, you're the first person. Uh, that I've asked this question to that's talked about the shape of notes. And I think that's a really very cool uh, way of, of thinking about, about things. And, uh, and it does affect your sound. So yeah, thanks for that, man. That's a great tip. I'm, I'm going to think about that one myself. Okay. So, all right. Uh, our next segment, uh, next segment is called geared up. It's brought to us by uh, venture mouthpieces venture where technology design and craftsmanship intersect Use the code TrumpetGurus21 to get 10% off your order. And this is about gear. And, um, you know, I know that you, you had mentioned earlier that, that you were working on, uh, you had worked on a mouthpiece design uh, during COVID and that you uh, also de uh, designed a horn uh, with Eclipse. Um, so I, I think what, I want, what I'd like to, to ask you is um, in terms of your designing your own gear, obviously you weren't finding things that, that fit your your specific playing needs as well as you would like them to. So, you know, what approach did you take in developing that? Because I think that's, that's an important thing for people to think about your thought process when they're looking to find gear for themselves. What, what kind of things would you particularly need to look for in an instrument in terms of maybe like response or, you know, core of sound and yeah, how do you make those determinations and, you know, figuring out how to make changes in your gear setup? Sure. So um, I so before I designed my own trumpet with with Lee, uh, the, the MU and the MU um, series, um, I was I was playing on eclipses and they were they were absolutely fantastic forms. You know they they really are world class. And um, I was I was having the I had uh, all the interchangeable lead pipes, um, and I got. I don't know, I just got, um, I was playing on a, a Mike Lovett studio, which I sent off to James New to get the, uh, um, oh, what do you call it, the, I've got one here. I have the, the adapter, you know, the gap adapter. Yeah. And that's it, yeah. And um, and I was playing around with it, and 
And then I played on a few horns that didn't have the interchangeable lead pipes. And I, I just got thinking, you know, that's my horn. There's, there's, there's kind of, in this section of, of the trumpet and the mouthpiece, there's so much going on. You know, there's so many sleeves and, and elements that um, can, can change the airflow. So I, I kind of decided that I, I thought I should be playing on something that's that's not got the interchangeable lead pipes. And I, I was chatting to Lee, and and I said about developing developing a horn, and Lee was you know really up for it. And then I went away and thought some more about it, and I was thinking, well, you know, what's what's a, what's a really good trumpet that, I, that I've played that I've really enjoyed playing? That's that's great, and I. I I thought about my old Com Constellation, the Maynard model, and um, it had a, it's got a really tight uh, lead pipe uh, with, a, with a big bell. And um, so I thought, well, why don't we try this approach? So we, we did, you know, we spent quite a few, uh, quite a lot of months sort of developing, I think 18 months developing, developing the, the trumpet. Um, you know, I think some of the braces was slightly moved. Um, it was great. It was such a fun experience because I'd, I'd go to Lee and you know I'd say, "Can we try this?" <laughs> okay, and we'll try it. And he's in a workshop and he's unsoldering everything and he's soldering it back on and then he gives you the instrument. And I'll take it away for a few weeks and then try it and say, "Okay, can we try this? Can we try maybe this bell or this?" You know. And um, so, so for me, I think you know having that that tight lead pipe. And the open sound, it it really opened my really opened my sound up playing playing on that horn. And I think I I think I sound really good on that horn. Um, and I guess that's kind of all that matters. I guess you know I feel comfortable playing it. Um, it's nice and free blowing. Um, and yeah, I think I, we just developed something that, that ticked all the boxes really. Yeah. Well, I, you know, it's, I think that so many uh, people, when they buy gear, um, you know, it's just, you know, it, it's like buying a suit, they just buy it off the rack. You know? So it's like, you know, I'm, I'm just gonna buy this horn. And then there, there may be some problems inherent with the design of the horn, not saying that it's a, bad, a poorly designed horn, but but there's some design elements that don't match with the way they play. Yeah, um, one of the, the biggest things is having the correct setup for what you're doing. That, you know, that's a big thing. I talk to my my students a lot about this, you know, this. I remember, so my my first trumpet that I got with, with Eclipse um, had a big red bell. It was huge, it's got a big, massive lead pipe. And it was a, it was, it's a really big trumpet, but beautiful for playing jazz. It's like really silky, really, velvety sound we put a lot of uh, sheet bracing in there to make it heavier uh, for the mass and um and i remember I, I really wanted to play this horn and i had a small band big band gig and um i was i was playing it and i think we were doing something like string and pearls or or something like that and i got halfway through the piece and i was like hanging out you know i was i was knackered playing this horn i was like man this is this is absolutely killing me, you know. And um, 
And then the interval I put in a, I did put in a, a, a tighter lead pipe and it, it made a big, big difference. Um, but yeah, definitely the, the, the kit that you play on, it has to be, has to fit what you're playing. You know, and, and I think the mouthpiece as well. I mean, it's a, I think it's a lot of people think, you know, shadow mouthpieces is make you play higher. Um, I, I don't, in my opinion, that's not the case. Shallow mouthpieces give you a, a brighter sound. Um, and, uh, you know, if you play a lead in a big band, you want that, that cup sound. If, you know, a commercial lead player, you want that. But I'm certainly not going to play that doing a jazz gig on my, on my big horn because it's just going to sound terrible, you know. So, you know, you'd want a, a deeper cup, deeper cup to, to, to get that mellow sound that you want, you know. Um, and, you know, the, the ball, the instrument, the bell, it all plays, plays a big part. I like Lee's um, large yellow lightweight belts. For me, they work really well. Um, I think this one, this is one of my other horns, one of my others are packed down at the moment for a gig. Um, but this, this is a medium red. And it's, it, it plays really different. You know, I think the, the red bells really give you more of a kind of unique voice. They're a bit easier to, to control the sound. Um, but, you know, that's just, just my opinion. I, I don't know what others think about the red and the, the lightweight. You know. Yeah, well, like you said, uh, you, you, you like it. And uh, that's, at the end of the day, that's all that matters. So, you know. yeah. And not only that, you know, as a as a trumpet player to be able to design your own horn, it was such fun. It was so fun. Yeah, I, I bet. So, yeah, there, there are so many different variables in there and it's, and it's great to work with someone. Um, you know, I, I don't know Lee personally, but, you know, I know a lot of people that have worked with him over the years and, and he certainly is knowledgeable. So to work with a, a master craftsman like that and get to learn a little bit more about, you know, about what makes a horn work. Absolutely, yeah. And the, the great thing with Lee is, you know, you'll be, I'll pick a horn up or we'll make a modification. And bear in mind, Lee, Lee can't play the trumpet at all. There's no interest in, in, in learning the trumpet. Um, but his ears, you know, he is, uh, he's a musician. Maybe he doesn't play, but the craftsmanship that he does with building them and, you know, he'll, he'll hear things sometimes that I can't even hear in, in, the, in the workshop, you know. He's got such good ears and he'll, he'll say, oh, yeah, no, no, try, you need to try this one. Oh, yeah, that's better. You know, he's, he's just so attuned to, to his instruments and the, the sound and the, the specific person, you know. I, I guess what we do for set, what I do for setting up a horn to what I'm playing, he will, I, I guess do the same, but in a, in a bigger circle, if that makes sense. You know, yeah. the player, the, the sound, and the, the trumpet modifications, he can see all that and hear the picture and say, no, you know, try this, try this. Yeah. You know, he, he's such a craftsmanship. Well, that's great. Craftsmanship, that's great. I mean, craftsman. Craftsman, yeah. <laughs> there we go. I thought maybe say one of those, uh, you know, uh, little little slangs that you guys use over there in in, uh, in the UK. So uh, anyway, final segment of this uh, show is uh, something uh, that uh, we call the Rapid Fire Round. It's brought to us by Robinson's Remedies, Rapid Relief for Your Sword Tired Chops. And it's a series of questions that kind of bounce all over the place. So 
Are, are you ready for this one, Mark? Yes. All right, let's do it. Here we go. First question. Who's the biggest influence on your life that is not a trumpet player? My granddad. Okay. Uh, what's your favorite book? My favorite book? Uh, History of the Jazz Trumpet by Scotty Barnhart. All right. Um, what's the worst movie you've ever seen? Uh, Dude, Where's My Car? <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you weren't a trumpet player, what would you want to be? I think I'd be a chef. Okay. Uh, what's your favorite drink? Uh, oh, can I have two? Okay. It's gin and red wine. Gin. They're, on, they're on equal part. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, you, uh, you're going to have a dinner party. And you can invite any three living people outside of friends and family because they'd already be there. But th any three living people uh, to your dinner party, uh, who would you want to have there? Queen. Um, Otro Sandoval. And Tom Cruise. Uh, okay. Uh, that's, that'd be an interesting party. Yeah. All right. Uh, and you can have three additional chairs at your dinner table, and these can be filled by any three people from history. So any three people that are no longer with us. Uh, Louis Armstrong, Miles Davis, Mayor Ferguson. Oh, okay. Wow. That, that, that is definitely a party that I want to be at as well. Uh, lacquer, plated, or raw? Lacquer, plated. No, raw. I'm going to go raw. All right. What's your favorite quote? Ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? <laughs> I'm a, a, a little, little Jack Nicholson there for us. Uh, what is your greatest fear? Fights. All right. You could be granted one superpower. What would it be? much of a superpower mark oh no yeah um i can't think man that would be your, that would be your, your superhero name uh, go on, give me some options yeah you know there, there's all kinds of options there's you know uh uh strength and speed and uh i certainly like to be able to run faster <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll go with that one. You, you, you'll be you'll be a faster guy. Uh, it might help your fingers too, so you could. Yeah. All right. Um, what aspect of trumpet playing do you find to be the most overrated? Um, practicing high notes. Uh, and what aspect do you think is the most underrated? 
basic fundamental technique. All right. Uh, you could go back in time and give your younger self one piece of advice about music. What would it be? Don't be cocky. <laughs> All this right. is everyone's advice. You know, it's, I think it's when you're young, it's, uh, you know, you think you know everything, don't you? And yeah. uh, I think as you get older, you appreciate things more. And Very true. All right. And while you're back there, you're going to give your younger self one piece of advice about life. Say that again, sorry? You're going to give yourself, your younger self, one piece of advice about life. Practice, practice, practice. Okay, and final question for you, Mr. Mark Upton. What do you want your legacy to be? Um, I want people to enjoy my music. And, um, and uh, you know, I hope that I can uh, carry on, carry on the kind of trumpet pedography. Um, and, and keep it going, you know, keep, keep the, the trumpet as a, as an art form going and moving forward all the time. I think that's important. Yeah. Well, you certainly are uh, in a great position to do that uh, with your, your work with the, the, the Royal band and uh, with your, your uh, musical performances. Uh, so you're well on your way to accomplishing your goal. So I uh, wish you the best of luck in your life and your career and really appreciate you spending time with me today. Uh, this was, this is a blast to get to know you. Yeah. Thank you. It's, it's, uh, it's been great. And that it's an honor. Oh, well, uh, the, the honor's on mine. Uh, and make sure you check out the show notes and there'll be links to uh, Mark's webpage and uh, some great video stuff that he's got going on. That, so if you want to catch some of a, uh, his performances, uh, you know, definitely hop on there. They are uh, inspiring and infuriating at the same time. I listen to him go, oh my God, I hate this guy. But uh, <laughs> it's, it's really good stuff. And uh, also uh, put a link in there for, for my boy, Larry, for the CTS. So if you're interested in the CTS, definitely check it out. Uh, it, it's, worth, it's worth its weight in gold, definitely. So uh, thanks for joining us for this episode of The Hang. And as always, make sure you like, subscribe, share, do all that great stuff. Uh, follow us on social media. Follow Mark on social media. He, he always posts some great stuff uh, on uh, his Instagram page. I follow that a lot. So uh, until next time, folks, peace and slide grease. We out. Thanks for hanging with us today. This podcast is all about creating deeper connections through our mutual love of music and the trumpet life. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast and also like and share this episode with a friend. We want to see The Hang grow for show. Please support our sponsors and consider becoming a personal supporter of this podcast as well. Remember, for less than the price of a bottle of valve oil a month, you can keep this podcast moving smothly. The Trumpet Guru's Hang is recorded at the Candy Factory, a co-working space and social club located in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Jose Johnson is the executive producer. Post-production editing is by Mitch Bowers. Our opening theme song was composed and performed by Lexi Signal. And our closing theme music comes courtesy of The Greatest Funeral Ever. Incidental music is by Ethan Swayze and Jose Johnson. Graphic design by Ann Kirby of the Sweet Corps. The Trumpet Guru's Hang podcast is produced in collaboration with the So Good Lancaster Media Group. Mm -hmm.